0: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the EQ Elevator where we use emotional intelligence to discuss challenges that the especially the STEM industry faces and one of the topics or one of the theme that I am big on is the younger generation because we have to face reality where they are the current and future leaders. And it's a whole new, different perspective that is often, I find, misrepresented. I don't know if that's correct English, but misrepresented in the business world. So I have here two young, brilliant minds who are representing the Gen Z. Very excited to have Jonah and Jacob with me. They are the co-founders of Lucid Mem. And they are going to explain much better than I can what Lucid meme does. And okay. and we all know what memes are, is using humor to bring home a point. And uh, Jonah and I connected actually on LinkedIn. He reached out to me. I love that he uses humor in his subject line. So that is when he caught my attention. And when we had our chat and he said that your biggest investor is uh, Gary Vernershock. And my reaction was the F word, because that's how I associate Gary from, apart from the marketing guru. So I am excited and honored to have both of you on the podcast. And why don't you introduce yourself quickly, what you're doing, and before we dive into it. So who shall I pick first? Jonah or Jacob? Well, I'm
1: very happy to go first. My name's Jonah. You know, I have a big marketing background throughout like all my career. And I really realized that Jacob came to me like, with this idea that it was really something that I was meant to do. I'm, I've always been so passionate really about memes. If I could not send a text again and just communicate with memes, I would absolutely do that. But it was socially acceptable. Um, but... Really, from the get-go, we knew we were onto something big with this, you know, meme demographic because that really is the currency of the youth today. And really, it's the wider kind of language that the kind of everyone is speaking. I think the kind of generational gap of the, the kind like, of people sending memes and receiving memes and really using that to express their viewpoint is massively decreasing than what we saw earlier. For me, it just made perfect sense to go with Jacob, who I'm sure is going to say a lot more about him and how we have very complementary skills to make this what we know it can be.
2: Yeah, as, as Jonah said, yeah, the other half and yeah, you have both backgrounds in marketing. Mine is in the social media management side, managing different pages for different industries and objectives. But leading up to that, how I got into it, which I only realise now is growing up, I'm sure Jonah much the same, spending way too much time online, on YouTube, on social media. And I got to a point in my life where I was like, I could actually do something with this, put these learnings to good use. And yeah, fast forward my time working in social media. I approached Jonah with a data package from one of my campaigns, which basically showed that the memes were just outperforming all the rest of the content. And I said, look, we're perfectly positioned on either side of this to make this a thing. So we basically joined forces. Yeah, basically making people smile and connecting companies and young people with memes.
0: I love it. I'm a big fan on humor. I myself am big on Dutch humor which is a specific kind of humor. My first question is how did humor become like a a thing within the, like the driving force behind the meme? And what challenges actually do you face when introducing humor memes within businesses? Because one of the arguments that is made often, especially in, in very serious businesses like cybersecurity industry, which is still very viewed as quite serious is that humor and security or humor and resilience are opposite, right? They are mutually exclusive, which I have a different view, but I'd love to hear your story behind the humor-driven memes and, and how do you navigate then the challenges that come with these biases?
2: For sure. So yeah, it is for many quite an out there concept using these funny images and texts to explain something which is previously conceived as so professional and rigid. So naturally with these sorts of things you're in the situation then you realize there's something here you have to find yourself facing the problem and then the light bulb moment happens. I ran a yeah as I mentioned a campaign last year specifically where a bunch of the creators were memes and the other part were traditional posts we call them your infographics statistics and yeah very quickly the memes just had a certain magic behind them they were making the audience feel seen the audience wanted to, to engage with them and it was you know putting fuel in this massive fire of engagement and community around it. So took a step back and realized, yeah, there's something here, which there's magic here. There's something here, which lots of companies can benefit from. And lots of companies don't, you said, they're the point of being polarizing with how certain companies operate. And that's the magic that is what we like doing is, you can still convey this professional message, but it's just packaged in a way that it's more digestible and approachable. And as Jonah said, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it is becoming the language of the internet thank and then,
1: you and i would just like to add to that i think that gone are the days when marketers can think that they're going to be posting long form articles long form blogs and think that that like people are going to read them i think and that that was really what we both had in common is that we are marketing really to ourselves so we are the audience and we understood very quickly that we because of the scrolling effect that has taken place on you know, TikTok or Instagram or LinkedIn or all of them, you know, you have 30 seconds if a marketer is lucky to capture somebody's attention. And the best way to do that really is by leveraging humor. Because we do believe that it's really a psychological issue. If you are laughing at something, you feel like you're culturally relevant to them. And if you feel culturally relevant, then you're much more likely to be invested really like to that brand. And then once they're on the website because they're invested, then you can start to give them the meat. And then they'll they're way more inclined to go and check out the stuff for themselves as opposed to you trying to shove it down their face, which I don't believe is is the language that they talk anymore. And I think the companies in general we're going to see this shift. We're already seeing this shift. But I think it's going to become even for the more traditional and longer process companies that have been around for 150 years that have set their processes 150 years ago. Um, and haven't changed since, but that, that won't be the way to do it. And I think that they're going to have to adapt. A lot like the dot-com bubble, in my eyes, it's people who didn't think that the internet was going to be the next big thing. Where are they now? And the kind of reuse is that that is going to be the same as the memes. People who don't think that short-form content and memes you know, are going to be the future, we truly believe they're going to be too late to the party. So we're here to offer that service to the companies that just don't understand how to do it.
0: Yeah, I I actually love that point of view, even if I'm still guilty from time to offering (laughs) long form content because I get intellectually so stimulated and excited. And then I forget that maybe it is interesting, probably it is, but uh, I have to approach it differently. So definitely agree with you. But I actually have two, two questions because my first question is, how do you use memes, in uh, humor memes, to communicate about something that's emotionally sensitive, that's emotionally hard, or that is quite perhaps scaring? If I take, I know you're not focused on the cybersecurity industry per se, but in general with businesses, but if you take cybersecurity, for example, uh, uh, when someone is hacked, and how do you help younger people as well to be more vigilant? I think humor can be a great way, but how do you... Incorporate that in a culture where it's quite, it's very serious, ingrained.
2: Awesome. And the other
0: thing, I, uh, sorry, if, otherwise I, I'm a little bit older than Gen Z, so <laughs> th- I have to share my thought immediately. But the other thing I, I saw someone, a big business name, and I forgot his business name, which is why I have to say my question immediately. Is before it was we had the big thinkers who were early adopters, so they set the trend. In today's age, it's not important, it's not uh, relevant anymore, not enough to set the trends. You have to see things before someone else sees them or even understands them. Which brings me what you just said, uh, that even we are working with businesses who don't understand yet how to do this, or that is this important. So I'd love to hear both of you, or maybe uh, addressing one question, is A, how do you use memes to communicate hard? taboo, complex, sensitive topics using humor and using memes. And the other question, how do you work with business who don't see it yet? How do you make them understand that this is the future? How do you make them see a future that you know is here in your mind, but it's we are ingrained in our ways of doing? This is always what we have always done before. So I hope it was clear.
1: Absolutely. So for the sensitive topics there, I'd like to start with that. I am a big believer, if you're talking about cybersecurity, if you're talking about mental health, which is areas that are the, as serious as they come, I think really, that the, the, the kind of, if it's framed as a serious question, people are actually less inclined to discuss their own perspectives because they feel as though not they're being watched. It feels a lot more intense. Whereas I, through talking to a lot of people through my own experience, have found that framing it with some humor about serious topics lets them put their guard down and allow them to be vulnerable, which is the biggest thing It's open discussion. And that's what it's all about. It's about being able to understand and be in touch with your emotions and really be able to communicate with lots of other people as well about very serious things. But yeah, again, it acts as that hook that it's okay. We're all human and that we are, we're leveraging the shared experience. And that's what memes do. They unite people together by leveraging a shared experience or pain points that we all feel. For us, it's really, you can mix a very sensitive and very, very intense topic by putting this layer of humor around it that then really sparks the conversation and allows people to share their own stories without feeling as though saying one word wrong might might be this or might be that they're going to be perceived in a certain way you know, i feel as though it takes all of that out and it turns it into a genuine conversation
0: yeah very good point i tend to share a lot of intense stuff and people then think that i'm very intense It can be intense <laughs> but, but, I'm all, I'm very, <laughs> but, but yeah you've met me now i am very i li- and it's for me it's very li- easy to talk about these things because i have been in a lot of shitholes in my life so i've processed all these things. But yeah. when you, but I think this is so important actually because when you use memes, it is felt more. But I write a lot. When you see it written, immediately think, "Oh, this is yeah. we're not going to go there." But it's actually, I think that is a brilliant point to help people open up more and see things from a different perspective without feeling judged. I think that is a great point. So Jacob, then you is, how do you get businesses to see the future that they don't see? Yeah,
2: it's a tough one. Yeah, when they're late to the party, they don't even know. But I'd say the most important element is to make it make sense to the person you're trying to convince or present it to. So it has to mean something to them. So in the same way we've just said, if you're approaching the situation of cybersecurity or an issue, it has to mean something to the audience for them to feel a part of it and engage. So how can you go to your boss and say... I really think we should be posting memes because they're the future. You have to essentially present it, relate it to something, bring a meme that, that relates to something that they've talked about, maybe a TV show that they've watched or something that's happened to them or something that happened in the office, maybe someone funny ran down the street and did something, something shared experience. And it's much, much easier for them to, to understand it once it means something to them. So it's really important to think of something that, is because it, it's building on a community that they're part of so it's the case of yeah really diving into what would make them understand it, and then they can see the magic of it and how that would look for the company
0: i love that i'm trying to imagine like a really traditional cyber security officer who is still using very technical standard operating procedures and how to manage an incident being presented with means to uh, achieve cyber hygiene <laughs> how much of ego massaging we need to do, how much of talking with their map of the world and how much. But I think maybe that's also a little bit judgmental from my side because I have worked also with people who are quite traditional security, but they're very open in achieving the outcome through different means. And I think it is so important to communicate, uh, in addition to what you said, is to not make people feel wrong, but to say you can achieve the same thing through different means when you talk with different stakeholders, right? The more we make it about the topic and the outcome and less about the people, the less people will feel defensive and the more they will be able, I think, to to change. So thank you for, for sharing that. I think I would love to hear maybe from Jonah or, or both of you. Uh, can you give an example of a client or a company without naming anyone, of course? Where you introduced the meme as a first concept and you had a lot of resistance or what was some of the biggest resistance or unmerited argument against using memes in their company, when you spoke about humor and when we talk about building up the Gen Z workforce, can you share an anecdote to really bring home on uh, how you managed to change someone's minds?
2: Yeah. So I've got an example. So I think. Often with these things, the most value is when you're doing something that the other people aren't doing, right? You want to stand out and memes are the perfect vessel for that. So with um, a client in the diversity recruitment space in particular, sort of content wasn't really done because it felt quite like a, a somewhat taboo subject to getting uh, more people of color into jobs in certain industries, which are really, which are quite rigid in how they kind of recruit and the people in the companies and that sort of thing. There's resistance there because it's a new thing. But one of our sayings is the proofs and the puddings. With clients and with this in particular, it's a case of testing, testing out the content and letting it talk for itself. And as I say, often when it's something that's not done, you have the most room for growth. And if you can, yeah, basically very in a very informed way, test that concept and let the data do the talking, you might find yourself in a lane that no other competitors can touch. And then before you know it, you're the the personal brand that people want to engage with. And I think Jonah might have more to, to add to that. Yeah,
1: I've definitely got more time. I've got a couple of industries in particular that I truly believe they think that memes aren't for them. But I think as time goes on, they'll actually find that they're the best suited for memes. One of them is the luxury, very high-end brand, like the Balenciaga's of the world, for example. I feel as though they are holding this, this premise that they don't need to do meme marketing because of what their name stands for. But I think that when looking at the market, you could tell a lot of these CMOs, I'm willing to bet my left arm on this, that they are all going to see me marketing would only enhance their whole image by a hundred times because it makes them more relatable. And that's the whole point of what we're trying to do is to make brands actually be relatable to a whole and like tap into their demographics as opposed to being very set in, okay, this has worked before, so it's going to work forever. That's just not the case times are changing and companies really need to change with it because otherwise what's what's the point of adapting marketing landscape times are changing the the buying power is shifting and they will see very quickly that yeah. what they think has buying power now will not have any buying power in the next 5 or so years for example another very good industry that i think needs to be disrupted is publishing god yeah. are the days when again people are reading this long form content that all of these companies That are set in their traditional ways because they're founded so many years ago. Posting these ridiculous articles that are like ten pages sometimes, and that that in my eyes is crazy because that's ten minutes of someone's time. That's (laughs) equivalent for asking for a million pounds from somebody. That's just not going to happen. And again, you know, they are really a lot of the time they have very fun content that they could be posting, but they're not leveraging it. And that that to me is always foolish. They have the abilities. But they've decided to go and try the things that they know because they're scared to step outside of this boundary. Our hypothesis is if you feel safe, 100% risk-free about a post, it's not going to be a good one. And that yeah. point is you need to be okay to step outside the boundary to test things out, to see what is resonating, because otherwise, how will you ever change? How will you ever adapt to this you know, ever-changing marketing landscape?
0: I love everything you both said. And just two quick points, because I know how I'm doing this myself and I'm not, people don't fear failure. They fear emotional embarrassment of what will people think, what people say. So I, it's not that I don't give an F about what people say, but I have (laughs) I'm defined by people's opinion, but I am really looking at the data. So I have, and and even so I put a lot of soul in my work and in my emotional writing. And sometimes two people like it, my sister and my company page, and that hurts, (laughs) but I, I keep focused. Okay. It's data. How can you do something differently? So I think that is really important to train people's flexibility. The other thing I will say, I think there is a huge gap when we look at the cybersecurity market and how to get the younger people, Generation C and even the previous digital natives, to take cybersecurity more, more serious. I think you guys could fill that gap easily, right, with the meme, because I think when you use memes to communicate the impact of cyber risk on their life what they care about which is very different than 45 year old john or i will not say my age but i am uh, (laughs) older than gen z Uh, and i think that is what is missing that we are communicating with any big complex challenge climate change mental health we're communicating it in the same way to everyone which needs to stop and be disrupted which actually brings me to one of almost final question is one of, I think, both uh, of us or three of us, I talked about this with Jonas, I, don't, I think maybe you too, Jacob, is mental health. It's very close to my heart. Especially when we look at the mental health of younger people, right? Uh, growing up uh, with social media, which is not a bad thing, but it's like really the loneliness is and the disconnect is much higher and invisible than we think. And how do you communicate very complex emotional topics that their parents didn't even explain and and build that emotional resilience through memes, for example, through humor? How can that massively disrupt the mental health market? And more importantly, not for profits, but to prevent a, a mental health crisis, which is already looming large. And redefine what it means to be human in digital age. I still do this through long form content and through videos, and I'm adapting on how this, how I can bring my message on how to help people feel their emotions and not be consumed by them. But I'd love to hear how you see this trend and and what you're doing about it, because I know you're active in this space as well.
1: For sure. So really, for me, it's a systemic issue. And I think it starts with schools and educational platforms. And I think that we are really trying to partner with a lot of these platforms so that we can almost change the syllabus. The syllabus hasn't been disrupted for far too long, in my opinion. It's teaching skills that really are not relevant for today's world. I think kids today need to be taught and what better way with a young kid to teach them these things than with memes, which is the language they speak from an earlier and earlier age, to actually change the syllabus and teach about what it is, what so, the social media like like landscape really looks like. So they have a realistic view. I think teachers and the, the people in general don't give kids enough credit that they actually are very aware and they are very... Easy to adapt and they're very resilient. That is the whole point of this talk, right? Is that they are very resilient and they're very they're very able to understand real world scenarios. I think if we you know actually entrust them with a very boiled down not very with a more simplified version, but still putting in real world examples of what it actually looks like, then they won't be as sensitive to this comparing status to all the negatives of social media and they're able to repeat all the positives that all these amazing platforms that really can offer, That 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 is really where I see it being. I see it being a, like, kind of vital to target at the earliest stage of childhood because then syllabus can improve and increase. And then by the time they get to a point where their, their brains are developed enough that they're gonna be seeing some quite controversial content, they're gonna be very able to identify, process, and respond without being overwhelmed by a million thoughts and seeing what's online and not having any idea how to deal with it, trying to internalize it but still not really understanding it. And that really, to me, is how I see a lot of this sensitization has really affected kids today.
0: And And just before I move to Jacob, I think one of the... And I say this myself because of my experience, but I don't think it's a a great representation perhaps of all uh, younger generation. But often when we look at the media, especially when we look at cyber breaches or cyber risk, there's a lot of blame towards the young people that they don't care about cybersecurity. Which I think I also said in the past, not necessarily don't care, but they lack emotional resilience, which is some truth to it because some of the younger people I've worked with, their emotional intelligence score was quite low simply because they lacked life experience in certain areas. So it's not a shocker. However, I do think we need to approach these things differently, not from only how we, the older generation or the more life experience generation think Z should behave, but what you need in order to achieve that outcome, right? I think we need to stay focused on the outcome and use the means that resonate with people from their generation or their personal interests or their core values, which may be completely different than someone with a, from a different country or a different culture or a different generation. I don't know what you think, maybe, Jacob, if you if, want to add on to that or Jonah.
1: I think, yeah. No, I'm happy to let it go to Jacob, but I just want to add one more point. I think it's also very important that we you know, almost look at a backwards relationship. Instead of looking at cause-effect, maybe we start looking at from effect to cause. What is the outcome mm-hmm. we want and then yeah. what? Is going to cause that shame yes. demographic. Yes. I think that's almost yeah. as important. Let's stop this whole traditional thing of cause effect, and yeah. let's start to work backwards
2: to really be able to achieve what we want. It's interesting you you, you talking then about young people not really understanding cybersecurity, and the first thing to me that came to mind would be when someone's Xbox gets hacked or when their PS4 <laughs> gets hacked. Now they're now they're interested. Now they're annoyed, and you know that. Examples like that, you know, with memes as a vessel, uh, an amazing way to get in front of them and mean something to them. And then they think maybe I could actually, I care about this. This has annoyed me for for 10 years, whatever. It makes sense to them. Then you can start presenting what that looks like in the wider world for companies and how they can maybe see themselves in that. But yeah, fundamentally, it's a social media and how it's changing young people, their psychology. As you, you mentioned, they spend so much time on it that they don't have a real world experience, meaning their emotional intelligence goes down. It is a problem, and it's it's so fast moving that it's 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 hard for anyone to keep up. It's just it's it's pretty crazy. We're not wired to to have the visibility of the world that we have, and especially at such a young age, it's such a weird concept to be able to see a picture of the pyramids and then you can spend ten thousand hours watching videos about the Egyptian pyramids. Then you watch someone's TikTok from yesterday that was there that saw something. It's just a mad thing to to grow up and think that's normal but it is becoming normal and it's how we adapt to that but it's for sure changing how people how young people communicate and it's, it's about getting on the right side of that and doing it in the best way possible what's you know as Jonah said what do we want out of it and reverse engineering that and yeah basically just doing it in a way that makes sense but in a kind of respectful way to it and you know as we said at the start of school keeping agile you know have an agile, um, approach to, to how, how these things are done.
0: I love the Xbox example. It sounds simple, but it's not obvious because when we look at cybersecurity yes. awareness, we don't see it. So I, like I said, I think you guys can fill a huge gap in this market when it comes to Gen Z and uh, help so many businesses, but also young people right, who are victims of sextortions, who are victims of identity scams. I still have on my Instagram. I you recently started using Instagram again, but I have like military officers following me, and I know they are not necessarily military officers, but it's easy or fake accounts. I had the head of PR of Stephen Bartlett contacting me for an interview. I said, "I said, can you prove you're not a scammer?" And then because I said there are a lot of scammers in this space, I knew it was a scammer. So obviously, then I was blocked. But I can only imagine if you're a young person, you're trying to make it. It's a huge honor to be contacted by Stephen Bartlett, excuse me, Stephen Bartlett's ER or all these influencers' name, And so I think it's so important to use meme to build that emotional resilience to what they care about uh, and not lose their influencing online, not lose their brand reputation. I really see the, the future that is already here on how this can be re- revolutionized. We are coming to an end, and I'd love for both you, Jonah and Jacob, to to perhaps give like one of the biggest takeaways for our audience, who are mainly leadership, senior leaders, middle management, who are looking to use emotional intelligence in navigating these digitalization challenges we face. So, what would be your biggest takeaways for the for their Gen Z workforce, for their that audience?
1: Really for me, the biggest takeaway is that you have to respect and give them more credit really than we're giving them right now. They are smarter than everybody thinks they are. They are more resilient, they are more aware of what's going on in the world. And trying to put up blinders by them and oversimplify and give these crazy in know, couple oversimplification of examples, you know, really to me, that doesn't help. If anything it aids it aids the problem because as you said, they don't gain real life experience. And then when they broach the real life experience, what they've been taught, what, what they think they know is the complete, the complete opposite than what actually happens. And therefore, it goes into a negative feedback loop as opposed to a positive feedback loop. And it, it, it makes them question more and it makes them not believe in society. It makes them, it, it has an inherently build a distrust. You need to be very agile and be aware of the marketing environment, and be aware of how this generation is shifting, and not just think, oh, it worked for me, it's going to work for them. That is that is just factually incorrect. Times have changed, and people need to be aware that times have changed, to be able to adapt to the fact that times have changed. and not trying to think, again, as I said, you, know, you need to be able to, to switch it up. And I think we have to see a change from a systemic level from a really bottom-up as opposed to a top-down.
0: Yeah, love
2: that. For, 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 for me, it would be two, two things as such. The first one is, yeah, it's a change times times are very different. We've grown up in a different way where young people may lack in some areas they're flying and others growing up in the digital landscape. There's certain things that maybe older decision-makers don't even know about and to them it's magic and to the young person it's bread and butter. And the second thing is engagement. Make them feel seen. Make them feel heard by way of content it needs to say something to them and, and give them a sense of community and feel something to make them want to give back as opposed to talking to gen z talk with gen z that that's the, the key to yeah the key to approaching it love that yeah, I love love that.
0: That. yeah. sometimes yeah. i even i as an emotional intelligence coaching consultant I have to remind myself that when i write i get so caught up in my you know, intellect that I forget to talk to my audience, to with my audience, and not only to my audience. And I think that's such an important uh, reminder. Uh, this was fascinating. I could definitely go on for much longer. <laughs> and like I said, you've also opened my mind a bit more. I love what you said for some things. For us, it looks like magic. For I call myself a dinosaur in tech. For you, it's bread and butter. So I uh, definitely think that you can revolutionize how we commit. Not only, I think, Gen Z, I think even other generations are ready to leave the heavy stuff behind. they already over-flooded with information. How can we make them laugh a little bit before then they process information? So I think it's amazing what you, both of you are doing. So honored and privileged that you came on this podcast. It's, it's amazing. I think, Thank you, you very know, much. Yeah, it's really shedding light on something crucial, at least also, I think in general uh, for businesses, especially when it comes to cybersecurity and how making the younger uh, generation more cyber proof, not only technical savvy, but also emotionally resilient savvy. How can uh, businesses, people get in touch uh, with you?
1: So, I mean, you can get in touch with by email, either Jonah at lucidmeme.co.uk or Jacob at lucidmeme.co.uk. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Instagram, but we're very happy to reach out. Please reach out to us. We're both very responsive and very friendly, I promise.
0: I confirm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, we'd love to help people to really understand what what kind of we can do and to really educate people in how important what we're doing is.
0: Thanks. Thank you to both. I uh, Again, it was a, a fascinating conversation. And uh, thank you to the listeners who tuned in and until next episode bye everyone
2: bye thank you
0: thank you for tuning into the EQ Emotional Intelligence Elevator Podcast we hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights into the world of emotional intelligence to learn more about Thrive with EQ and Nadia's mission to build stronger more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence visit our website at thrivewitheq.com you'll find a plethora of people leadership resources, tools, and services to help you and your organization thrive. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As always, keep thriving with EQ.